0: Can you see, it? did you know that? That's right. It's emergency time, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. We are the Canucks Conversation Podcast. I'm joined by Chris Faber. No advertisements on emergency episodes, but we still are. Brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Got to always give them a shout out. Promo code Hawks season capital H capitalized. But it is emergency time, Chris. Last time we did this, Tyler Toffoli trade was it not? Uh,
1: I believe it was. It's been no. I think we've had a bonus episode since then. We must have
0: an emergency, not a bonus. I'm okay. talking
1: emergency. Yeah, good point with the emergency. I guess yeah. This is a uh, big news. This is this is a massive trade. Yeah, absolutely massive trade. Obviously, people have probably heard the news at this point. Canucks have acquired Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson, sending back a 2022 second round pick, a 2023 seventh round pick, this year's first round pick, which is the ninth overall, and then the contracts of, because they're not really the players, the contracts of Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, and Antoine Roussel. Don't go disrespecting the great name of King Louis on his way out. Yes, I, that honestly, let's can we talk about that right off the top? I cannot believe the Canucks got rid. of I never of thought of I'd see the
0: Never thought I'd see the day where Louis Erickson was no longer a Canuck. Like even even when the contract expired, I was fully expecting him to come back in some sort of role. Maybe they would extend him. Who knows? I was fully expecting. To never see the day where Louis Erickson was no longer associated with the Canucks. Yeah,
1: I am shocked. I'm shocked they were able to get that deal off. But I mean, one year left on the contract. I guess that's where I can see that coming off. I mean, let's let's get right into it. I think we you know we had good conversation on the car ride over here to the studio about this trade already. Immediately, initial thoughts are this: this makes the Canucks a lot better right now, yes. right now today, a lot better because man. I mean, you could make the argument with Beagle, Roussel, and Louis Erickson that, like, maybe one of them would have been contributing to the Canucks next year. Probably Jay Beagle playing fourth-line minutes. Antoine Roussel, I think, was up in the air yeah. if, if he was going to play or not. He could have had, you know, a million of his salary buried in Utica. Or, there I go again, in Abbotsford. Uh, it's going to be a long time with that. But the Canucks get Oliver ekman Larson, who has struggled for the past couple of years. It's pretty yep. obvious. You can see that from a lot of the analytics about him. I think he's going to be a lot better in Vancouver. I do as well. I think he has to be a lot better in Vancouver to make this, this trade look good for the Vancouver Canucks and Jim Benning and all of the management that made this happen. And, yeah, big shocker right off the bat. I mean, I think, you know, we'll get into this trade a lot. We have a lot to talk about with Garland, but let's talk about the big money deal right off yep. the bat, Oliver Ekman Larson. Six more years, they're going to have $990,000 retained off of his contract. I mean, he's coming in at a cap hit of uh, – I think it's $7.26 million, something like that. Um, Initial thoughts with the OEL part of the trade quads, because we thought this might happen last year. Obviously, conversations were still ongoing throughout the season likely and got them to the point of today where the trade actually happened.
0: It's hard to just look at the OEL part of this trade, Chris, because once you take into account that they got Connor Garland as well, who we're going to talk a lot about on this show, it looks like a much better trade. Like, if if the Canucks gave up a, gave up their first round pick, and let's say they don't put in the second. They gave up a first round pick and all those bad money contracts for OEL. That's an okay to bad trade, in my opinion. Yes, But, and you know, if they attach a second, obviously it's like a god-awful trade. It's a bad, bad trade. But if they make the trade that they did, which they did, that's looking like a little bit better of a trade. Like that's looking from okay to good. You're on the other end of that spectrum of rating trades. Now, I think a big part of this deal, and we said we want to focus on the OEL part, so here it is. A big part of this deal is if OEL can return to form. And just kind of in our conversations in the car ride over here, you and I were both kind of talking about how, look, this is a guy playing in Arizona. Obviously, didn't have great seasons the past two years, but... I look at what he's coming into in Vancouver, and you know if he's going to get a chance to play, play alongside Quinn Hughes or wherever he, it is that he ends up playing, I think that there's a chance that he bounces back. And I know that doesn't sound like a super hot take, but I'll tell you why that I'm saying this. So when they went out and got Bradshaw, I was talking to a few people about what that's going to mean. And the main thing that a lot of people pointed at was there's going to be a lot more stability and... Quinn Hughes isn't going to get a free pass anymore. I like I know that that's a hot take to say, but a lot of the times Quinn Hughes would play out of the systems that the Canucks were running and it went pretty unchecked because, you know, he got a free pass. He's Quinn Hughes, which is fair. Like I get it. I get it. But from what I've heard and from what I've talked to with a lot of people and, you know, Bradshaw was already talking about how he's going to help Quinn Hughes become a better defender on the radio. Like he, he was openly saying that on the radio, how he's going to help him. So, I think Quinn Hughes is going to be a guy who benefits a lot from it. And now I would put Oliver Ekman Larson in that as well. Um, again, like another two way defenseman, another offensively minded defenseman who, you know, you'd like to see clean it up a bit more in his own end. And I think, I think that's somebody, Brad Shaw, that's going to help out not only Quinn Hughes, but now Oliver Ekman larsson as well. So I'm just saying, like, it's, it's one thing to kind of keep your eye on when you're looking at the probability of Ekman larsson bouncing back and, you know, returning to
1: form. Yeah. And I mean, relied upon to do a lot in Arizona, but not a, not like a crazy amount. I mean, he was their third most used defenseman last year for ice time, Uh, you know, averaging about 21 minutes a game for Ekman Larson, getting some time on both special teams units um, so he can help on the Canucks penalty kill somewhere. They're going to need him. The the way I see Ekman Larson fitting in is, you know, as what he did in Arizona last year as a third defenseman who probably plays with Tyler Myers and, Gets a lot of time to kind of round out that top four because I think a lot of teams would like to have OEL as their third defenseman. I think a lot of teams would like to have OEL as their third defenseman. I don't know if they want to have him at the eight point two five million dollars that the Coyotes were paying him last year, and heck, I don't know if a lot of teams want to have him at seven million dollars for the next six years. The contract still has potential to hurt them, though. We have no, we, we know that the cap's eventually going to go up here again. We're going to get back to seeing it that rise was, every year. Yeah, that's the just, other thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah, let's let's look at it as like six years. The cap's not just going up once in the next six years. Exactly. I think after, you know, two or three years here, we're going to see it every year go up a couple extra more million dollars, which is, you know, needed. I expect that first jump to be pretty big, too, the first time we see the cap go of the up. Because the ESPN deal, right? Absolutely. Like, that was a huge deal. It'll be the first time that's kicking in. That's massive for the league, and I think that's going to really help this team down the road, and a lot of people are worried about the long term of this. The thing that I think I'm worried, like, I'm actually more worried about the picks that they gave up than I am about OEL's contract. Hmm. Cuz look at what Louis Erickson, or sorry, look at what Alex Edler just did on his last 2-year deal at $6 million. If if OEL can give that same type of play at $7 million, you're not I mean, you're still getting a guy probably playing 20 plus minutes at that time in his career when he's 34, 35, 36. He's still going to hopefully be contributing on the penalty kill, hopefully be a defensive guy at that point that can kind of round up with one of these younger players that are coming up in the system. I I worry a little bit more about the pipeline when you take a hit of a first-round pick, ninth overall, which would have been a massive addition to the Canucks' pipeline, and now a second-round pick next year. I think that is more worrisome for me for the future. I I don't like that they had to give up that many picks in the end for it. Jonah Gadjevich is the club's second-best prospect right now. Like, Colson and Rathbone
0: both going to the NHL, not prospects. Mikey DiPietro's number one by far, and then it's like who People were saying... Ah, well, he's worse than Cole Lind anyway.
1: I think whoever they get with that second round pick has a good chance of being the number one prospect. Oh, come on. He's not jumping Mikey. He might. I think that Mikey
0: might change. actually have to play backup next year. You were on the call with Jim. Jim had something to say about Mikey, did he not?
1: Yeah, no, he did. He uh, he mentioned that yeah, they want. So funny thing is, Ryan Johnson. A lot of people freaked out about him saying that he wants 50 games from DiPietro. Jim Benning doubled down on that, <laughs> saying that. 60 to 65 games. I think he was talking about playoffs, though, because yeah. you know that's crazy to think that <laughs> Mikey's playing every night uh, in Abbotsford. But yeah, I think like I. I like the deal in the end. Like, I, I'm i happy that they're pushing this team. Like, as people who, who cover this team, have a podcast about this team, have a very vested interest as it's our jobs now at Canucks Army and Canucks Convo here, you know, this makes it a lot better for us over the next little bit, I think. I think covering a team that's going to be better, which is what they got today, I'm excited about. And I wonder, because like, how long can you keep preparing for the future when you have these players that are at their age right now with Elias Petterson and Quinn Hughes coming in, Jack Rathbone coming in at such a young age, Pod Colson coming in at twenty, Hoglander twenty-one, the captain that you have at twenty-six, I believe Horvat is. Yep. You know, JT Miller is at an age, and I think it it's just really pushing the pedal to the metal at this point. And I know that it's gonna hurt them in the long term. Yep. But man. Five years from now, what are we talking about with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes if this team doesn't make a move to get better? Yeah, exactly. And, and today they did that. Exactly. Now,
0: it's all about process, right? Like, let's look at the thought process here, and let's look back at 2019 on the draft day. Draft day two, I believe, was when they... No, it was day one when they acquired Miller. Um, but what they did... Um, early day two. Oh, okay, yeah.
1: I was walking into the arena. Yeah, you're right. It happened. Yes, my bad. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause we met up that day. That was right. Anyway, anyway, back to my story. You know, what you talk about this meeting before going for. you talk about this meeting of the draft. I have no recollection of you, and me meeting at the draft. That was the first time I met you. I have no recollection of it. Where, wow. where were we? When we met concourse, cannot clay was there. And
0: mm-hmm. then I met YJ as well. Actually, okay. no, I didn't meet YJ. You were telling me about YJ. You're like, he's sitting in front of me, just screaming at the top of his lungs.
1: Man, I met a lot of people on the draft. I'm sorry. I completely yeah, forgot. Yeah, it's okay.
0: Whatever, you. whatever. <laughs> anyway, back to my story. Uh, what I'm saying is it's all about process, right? Like a lot of people, when they went out and acquired JT Miller, were saying this is the wrong time to do this. Like the team is not ready to compete. They need that draft pick. This is This is the wrong time to do it. And then they go out and get Tyler Myers, who much like OEL is a pretty okay defenseman, pretty okay to good defenseman, but you're paying him quite a bit. Now, they go out and do both of those moves, and Miller, obviously, in this equation, is Connor Garland, uh, who is a legitimate middle six winger, yeah, let's top save, six. let's save some talk yeah.
1: Garland at the end, because that's a huge That
0: price. is That is, yeah, it's getting brushed under the rug, I think, by a lot of people, and it shouldn't be.
1: Like, he is a he solid is a The solid negative player. look at this trade is really, really overshadowing how good Garland yeah, is. Yeah, Garland's going to be good,
0: and I think people need to know that. Um, But what I was saying is it's all about process, right? So... You know, in 2019, Canucks took a huge step forward, but they also, you know, mortgaged the future a bit. Now, they're doing the same thing this season, and if you're the players on that team, you know, like we put out a poll question. We'll get to it soon. But if you like this trade, and every every other radio show and podcast in Vancouver put the same poll question today. But if you're on the Canucks, every member of the Canucks is voting yes to that trade. Like if you're if you're a member of this team and listen, look, People, you, you can't complain about JT Miller looking dejected and, oh, I don't, I don't know if he's captain material because he doesn't want to be there, it looks like. Man, like, stop. Putting him on a line with Jake Virtanen and whatever other fourth line waiver wire pickup they have. Don't put him on the line yeah, with all, those all guys. All the time that VC exactly. spent with Miller last exactly. year. Exactly. Like, give yeah. him some good players. Like, make the team better. They like. Look, I know, I know, I get it. A lot of people were looking at it and saying, "Oh, aggressive Jim. That's so bad. That's gonna suck. Like, we can't, we can't be having this." But man, every player on that team, you can't come back next year. Like, Nate Schmidt, prime example the the most joyous guy i think any of us have ever interviewed in vancouver and he he wants out it's like come on that that's a bad situation that needed to get made better going into next year like the season that these guys just went through as players and you know as people just with the covid outbreak and everything it was horrible like could you imagine going to work? Well, I, I know they're paid millions of dollars, but I'm saying just the the morale around that team at the dog days of the season when they're playing all those games gets Well, I'll Calgary. bring it up
1: again. Like think about us as jobs trying to like do that, like cover that Canucks team last year was horrible. Think about the fan base trying to follow that team and be engaged with them when, you know, sports was a huge beacon of positivity yeah. and excitement for everyone during the pandemic. Canucks fans just after what that happened last season, obviously the players going through COVID yeah. feel way worse for them having to go through that. Just every, everything about last season really, really hurt this team. Yeah. It and this trade to today really helps this team. Exactly. For next year.
0: Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Huge. You you can't come back. You couldn't have come back into next year with this relatively the same team, all the Levy on a third pairing, which I'm glad that can be finally be put to rest.
1: <laughs> My Levy uh, dream. Yeah. Has died whatever. Today.
0: Yeah. No kidding. Um, <laughs> You know, that that's that's finally gone away, which is really nice. But you can't you can't come back with the same team until Elias Petterson and Quinn Hughes and JT Miller and Bo Horvat and your core, Brock Besser, hey guys, you're gonna have to do everything again. And if one of you gets hurt, we're looking at you, Elias, it's over. There's no chance we're making the playoffs. We we can maybe we get some guys off the waiver wire. Remember Jimmy VC? That was fun, right? Like, no, that can't happen again. That's how you start getting players asking out, and they're they're damn lucky that JT Miller still wants to be on this team. And I think you know, I said this before, if they came into this year with another bad roster and didn't perform like at all, and they, they finished like bottom of the league again, JT Miller was asking out. There's no doubt in my mind that right. he was not going to stick it out. Finally, you in his
1: contract. He would have been able yeah, to get out. There no too. kidding. The, the thing that you brought up there that I want to expand on is like, how long have we wanted Jim Benning to change the defense core for? Exactly. How long have we want last year, Nate Schmidt bringing him in. That's a huge change to the defense core. Things didn't really work out last year for Nate Schmidt. It's going to be interesting to see where they fall. Like, I, If J, if Nate Schmidt's still here next year, and you're looking at a top four of Quinn Hughes playing with Schmidt, Ekman Larson playing with Tyler Myers, and then Jack Rathbone playing with you know a Travis Hamanick type, a veteran right-shot defenseman who can help a guy like Jack Rathbone come in, I, I feel a lot better about the defense score. I feel a lot better about the defense core than we did a couple years ago. Yeah, Look at what they've been trotting out on that defense core for the past few years with Edler being there, with guys like Good Branson over the past few years, with Ben Hutton, the guys that aren't really NHL defensemen. Right now, you're getting NHL defensemen on that defense core. You're getting a top four guy in Ekman Larson for next season. Say what you want about Tyler Myers. If he's on his game, he's a top four defenseman. He's fine to take a lot of minutes as the number four guy. The only problem is the defense core is still overpaid in a lot of spots. You know, Myers is overpaid. ekman Larson's is going to be overpaid. Obviously, that hurts you. But for me, like, looking at it through a Jim Benning lens, it still feels like the aggressiveness that he talked about has happened, and it wasn't as bad as what I was thinking it could have been. Yeah, I, I, I know the contract's long with ekman Larson, But, man, this guy is the type of player that, yes, his analytics don't look good. They don't look good at all. But you hear what everyone says about this guy. He's a captain. He's a guy who came in and was one of the best defensemen in the league when he was young. There's something to be said about playing in Arizona compared to playing in Vancouver. And what is a is there a better spot for Ekman Larson to reconstruct his career as a top NHL defenseman? He's not going to be a top 10 guy. He's not going to be a no. top 20 guy. Yep. But man, if he can be a top 50 defenseman in the NHL... That's a huge, huge gain for the Canucks defense Corps and a huge change for the Canucks defense Corps. And where else would be a better spot for him to do that than in Vancouver with the Swedish connection, with the Sedins now in the organization, with how he's going to be looked at and relied upon. I think that the added pressure for a guy like him is either going to make him crack or it's going to make him a lot better. And man, uh, if he does get to be a point where he's a lot better, even for the next, you know, four or five years of this contract, maybe the last two years, he's not looking as great. I think you can worry about that then. You know, at that point, you're looking at a 30 year old Bo Horvat. You're looking at you know older than that, like 32 year old Bo Horvat. You're looking at the you know Elias Petterson at like 28 years old. This is this is the time to go for it, right? With these guys and these young players. So I don't. I like the move in the end. I think you gave up a lot with the picks that you had to give up for currency, but you got off of this books and you were able to say like, now's the time where we're going to make a playoff push. And man, as a person who covers the Canucks and has to deal with so much emotion coming from this freaking hockey team in the end, I'm happy because this is going to make the Canucks more exciting next year. It's going to get them closer to being a playoff team. I don't know if this puts... Well, it doesn't. I don't think this puts him in a Stanley Cup conversation. There's still a lot of work to go there. But why don't we transition now to what I really like about this trade? And man, that's what this top nine now looks like. This top nine for the Vancouver Canucks, we've talked about Jim Benning looking to add a top six forward. Today, he does that with Connor Garland. So let's get into what I think is the massive piece that comes across on this trade. Ekman Larson, obviously the money makes it look like the big deal. He's the captain of the team, big deal. His name's been ruined for a year and a half now. But man, Connor Garland coming to play with now probably Bo Horvat on that second line. You just you just made this team have three lines and I'm excited every time they're on the ice. Question. When the hell can you say that about the Vancouver Canucks' top nine group? That question. you've been excited for each of them. Sorry, but like the, the top nine group, all three of those lines, I want to see all three of these lines play. Chris, I have a question. Yes, you do. You mentioned it a couple
0: times. Canucks top nine. Is it the best in the Pacific Division now? Wow, we sound like homers. But is it? Like, think about it. Think about the other teams. Seattle's not even close. Like you look at Seattle's forward group, it's th- there's going to be moves in Seattle. Granted, like I hope so. Yeah, they're not they're not coming up with Brandon. Tannen Otherwise, they're going to the send the Abbotsford line. Canucks. To go Cole Lind on the second line. Yeah. Um No, seriously, best best top nine in the Pacific. I think I think there's a case to be made. Yeah, you're going to have to see what the third Edmonton line looks might like. might be close because of Zach Hyman, but I don't know. Like I, I don't know. I don't, I think I'll take I take Jason Dickinson. I mean, Vegas over is going to. be...
1: Have a good top nine again that yeah. like they have since they came into the Yeah, league. but Vegas doesn't
0: have that number one center,
1: right? Like, right. they don't. That's a good point. Also, speaking of Seattle and
0: Vegas, I think Seattle might make a serious run at Jack Eichel. All right.
1: Save that for the for the real pod. Let's yes, t- that's let's, right. This is an emergency the episode. You're right. Let's you're go right. with Garland because bringing in Garland, if you're going to play him now with Bo Horvat, and then you have an option now with Pearson, Huglander. Like, you can have a third line that has Huglander and Pod Colson playing together now. Yeah. When look at like what a month ago, we're talking about potentially a second line of pod Colson Horvat and Huglander and a lot of question marks there. A lot of question marks about how much pressure is going to be put on on Vasily pod Colson. We got a fly in the room. Quads, not a big fan of the flies. Uh, so we got, you know, a big change now to the forward group and it's going to be massive to see how Huglander and pod Colson now fit if they're playing with Jason Rich Jason Dickinson. Yeah. Do you want me to cut? Do you want to cut real quick and
0: get the fly? No, it's gone. It just flew out. But yes, I I had trouble following what you were saying
1: because I was waving the fly out. All right. I I got it (laughs) out. I'll I'll repeat it for you. No, no, no. I I heard you. I heard you. Yeah. So i mean, talking about Dickinson. Yeah. So I think that they keep Pearson with Horvat. I think that's something that works for Bo. Then I think that's something that works for Pearson. Now you have a third line. You just got deeper.
0: You, you just got,
1: you have a third wicked. line that exactly. feels like a Canuck second line now. Yeah, exactly. The past couple of years, I would have loved to have a second line of Pod Colson, Dickinson, and Hugland. And thank God we don't have to pretend like JT Miller is going to be a third line center anymore.
0: Like, yeah, let's pay the third line center 5.5 mil. Speaking of which, Chris, how much do you think Connor Garland gets? RFA with arbitration rights. What's the ideal contract?
1: I think I think it's something like three four years at four point two five. Yeah, I think that's around there. Yeah, they go over four point five. It's like I think I think it could be
0: like a it could be like a three by five. But I like I I think you could be looking at up to five mil for Connor Garland. I think over four point five, you're not like. I think I think that's a fair price tag for him.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna. Have, we're gonna really have to see what he does in Vancouver. I think he's coming yeah. off of a career year as well. Which
0: thirty nine points last season, thirty nine points the year before. Okay,
1: except he did it in less games. He so yes, career games. year. So I think it's a career year for yeah, him. Yeah, it is. Uh, in the end, I mean, this is the thing I like about Garland. Man, led the led the Coyotes in first assist per sixty. A lot of his assists last year came from you know being the first assist. And for people to that know, that's the guy who makes the pass or the guy who scores. So you're not the secondary assist on that. I think that's a huge add. And I just. Everything that I've heard about Garland, like I haven't watched him a ton, but, man, it's going to be the next thing I'll be doing uh, for the next little bit as we're putting an article together here for it. But, you know, Connor Garland goes up, last season puts up 12 goals and 27 assists. You're having a guy like Bo Horvat who's evolving into quite the goal scorer for the Vancouver Canucks, starting to score a lot of different ways. And Connor Garland, out of his 27 assists last year, 22 of those are first assists. It's a huge add for the Vancouver Canucks. It's going to be awesome to see what he's able to do with this team. He's the big piece in this trade in the end. He's the biggest piece for this team moving forward now because he comes in, he's going to be a top six forward. He was second on the team in attempted shots for for the Coyotes last year. He's going to bring a lot of offense, and that's super exciting because I was in the camp where I was thinking, I don't think the Canucks are going to be able to add another top six piece you know, 48 hours ago, I was saying this, you know, it's going to be really tough for them to go out. They're going to have to find a guy at one to 1.5 million who just happens to hit as a top six guy. And that's a lot of pressure to find that guy in the first place, but also a lot of pressure on him to have a lot of success with Garland. I feel like you're getting that guy right off the bat and Garland's going to be a great addition to this team makes the top six better, makes the top nine better, you know, bumps Tyler Mott back down to a fourth line role. We're not talking about Tyler Mott having to play in a top six like we were at the start of training camp last year or playing on a third line like we were talking about on the last episode of this damn show because now Tyler Mott, an excellent fourth liner, fits in your depth chart as a fourth liner. It makes a lot of sense. This top nine is a lot better I I'm gonna have to look deeper into it, but just you know, off of initially the change that they've just made and what I expect from Vasily Podkolzin and from Niels Huglander in year two after a full season of the NHL, after Huglander went through two different COVID outbreaks, like next year that third line has the potential to just be so exciting. The second line has a lot of potential to be exciting as well, and then even seeing you know if Pearson ends up on the third line, whether it's Huglander or Podkolzin getting an opportunity to play with Garland and Horvat, man. Like I said, like I haven't felt like this about a Canucks top nine, maybe ever since I've been covering this team. When I started in, what was it you know twenty sixteen or seventeen when I started blogging about this team? I, I I was saying this in our in our hockey writers group chat the other day. Like I, I wonder what it's like because I didn't cover the team in twenty eleven. I was an eighteen year old watching them go to a Stanley Cup final. And I'm not saying they're at that point, but I was like, what is it like to cover a team that? You know, has three lines that are exciting to watch. What is it like to have, you know, a couple pairings on defense core that you really want to trust and have out there a lot? I don't know what that feeling is like as a guy who covers the Vancouver Canucks. So to see what this top nine looks like, I, I'm i just, I'm jacked up about it, man. I think it makes a huge difference to this team right now. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right.
0: And I just want to, you know, wish he was here with us. He'll be coming soon, he said. But uh, I just wanted to point to a tweet from Harmon Dial because it's a good point. It's a good point, and we need to show the other side of this trade. P.D. Hughes, Garland need new contracts now. Besser needs a raise next summer. Horvat and Miller are UFAs in two years, while Huglander will need also need a new deal. This excellent core, and make no mistake about it, it is excellent. Harmon didn't say that. I'm just adding that in. Will get expensive. Building cup quality supporting cast for cheap won't be easy without ELC help. And folks, look, Chris and I, You've been listening to this show. We're fans of this trade. Like, you listen to this episode, we're fans of this trade overall. But that's where the worry comes in. Not only is there a risk with Oliver Eckman Larson, you really do need some help with those ELC players, and no one's coming. Like, there is nobody coming. Like, Michael DiPietro is... Like, Michael DiPietro is the top prospect, and he's he's not going to help them score goals.
1: Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> the guys that you're going to pay money to now... Are going to be guys that you should pay money to. Right? That's fair. You're not paying for guys that are going to come help your bottom six, and that's what's hurt the Canucks. So they traded three guys today that have done nothing to help the bottom six. Yeah, you know, and they got rid of twelve million dollars of it. Obviously, the one year left on the deal makes it like yes, it's a, it's a short term deal compared to a long term gain in the end. When you could have just eaten the contracts and probably like worked out an OEL deal next off season where you would have probably not had to give back anything. You trade a couple draft picks, you get some draft picks back, plus you take on those deals. But you get Garland. That's the thing that makes this deal, I think, an immediate huge gain for the Canucks is what Connor Garland's going to bring. Led the Coyotes in individual scoring chances per 60 last year for their consistent players. This guy's going to come in and make a big impact for the Vancouver Canucks right into their top six. It's, yeah, it's the thing that's like, the thing that I've been battling with is because the quote that I hated from Jim Benning the most over this past off season was look at what teams when he was talking about, you know, Montreal and talking about the playoffs of, you know, you get in and you see what happens and how you see what happens has hurt the Canucks for so long on this team, right? That's, what's really hurt them. See what seeing what happens has not worked out for the Canucks over the past few years, but you're in a spot now with these players and this team that you're going to ice next year, where they're a lot better They feel like a playoff team going into next year with the goaltending they have. Hopefully these guys can help them in the defensive zone as well. Dickinson looks like that. Garland looks like that. If Ekman Larson can get back to just a little bit of what he used to be, he helps defensively as well. That puts a lot less pressure on Thatcher Demko. The puck's going to be in the offensive zone a lot more. Out of those three lines of, you know, Pedersen's line with the Lotto line, Horvat's line now with Garland on it, and then the Dickinson line with potentially Hugliner and pod Colson, all three of those lines, to me, feel like they can control the Corsi. They can control the events that are happening on the ice more than the other team will against them. And that's a confident feeling that you should have looking at your top nine. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, like, no doubt. And here's the thing, like, man, we look at this team right now, and... Man, like, I, I get the idea of people getting upset about that quote from Jim. And, wow, I, I sound really, really positive right now. But what I'm going to say, what I'm going to say is I get that people are like, oh, they're trying to be build a cup contender. What, like Toronto? Like, look, the sport we're covering, Chris, a lot of it's based on luck and all this crazy stuff that you can't actually measure. And, you know, I fully support analytics. I use it a lot. I get it. But... You know, in the playoffs, it, it's the playoffs are made to like glorify like fourth line bombs that suck during the regular season. You know, can what I mean? go get
1: six year deals at four exactly. million dollars, yeah.
0: exactly. And all I'm saying is, I get that you want your team to be Tampa, but there's only one team like Tampa in the NHL, and it's Tampa. Okay, you know
1: what? What? Just to add to what you just said about analytics, when you look at these charts that are tweeted out on Twitter, you can't live your hockey life by them. Yeah. Okay. You know, these guys like Jay Fresh, these guys like Micah, you know, the Hockey Viz folks, everybody, those people do a great job of helping you look very deep into what a player can bring. But Oliver ekman Larson is going to come in and help this team. Yeah. Right off the bat, not only just on the ice, but off the ice as well. This is a great player to add to your room in Oliver ekman Larson, especially with the loss of Alex Hedler. And I said this on the car ride over with you. This is the opposite to the... You know what the feeling in the room is for the Vancouver Canucks when they lost Chris Tanev, when they lost Jacob Markstrom, exactly, when they lost Troy Stetcher. This type of trade is the complete opposite. You bring in Connor Garland, a top six proven player, and Oliver ekman Larson, a two-time All Star who's only thirty years old. It's not like he's thirty-four and has four years left on him. You know, you're bringing in these players that everybody in the room is like, "Wow, Jim Benning just went out and made a move for us." Yep. So hopefully these guys are able to take these more skilled players, take this deeper lineup, and ride it into the playoffs. And for proof of what you just said, spoke with Jack Rathbone on the way here. Said they
0: golf and skate together all the time, him and Connor Garland. Great dude, he's going to help us.
2: You That's think Jack's telling it. his
0: teammates that? Like I'm pretty sure he's texting his teammates the same thing. And that's the vibe around this team right and now. And I'll tell you
1: what: if there's one person that I'm going to trust saying that this guy's a good guy, it's Jack Rathbone, noted good guy Jack Rathbone. Not only noted good guy, literally the best, nicest person in the game of hockey right now. Yeah, I think I find think, one yeah. a, find a nicer person than Jack Rathbone. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Like honestly, not just because he talks, not just because he comes us, on our he's podcast, come on the show, but like. <laughs> Honestly, you hear it from everyone else. Aid yeah. McDonough talks so highly of him. We've talked to management for the Canucks. Everyone talks so highly of the person that Jack Rathbone. Listen, to tr- listen to Trent Call talk about mm-hmm. Jack Rathbone. I mean, doing for like three days, exactly. <laughs> and and man, what Oliver Ekman Larson does is guess what? Jack Rathbone. Now all this talk that we've had to do in the past couple of shows of you know when we were having the Alevi debate about how much more pressure there's going to have to be on Jack Rathbone to be a top four defenseman. All gone. That is all gone. Now, Jack Rathbone is your third left defenseman. You get yourself a one to 1.5 million dollar right shot defenseman. Hammonick, Travis Hammonick style go. player. Love that. Love what they can do with that pairing now, because you're really going to help Jack Rathbone come to the league. I hope this, hope this helps that Jack Rathbone doesn't have to play with Tyler Myers. Cause I do see somewhat of a fit with a smart veteran NHL player who can still skate decently and Oliver Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers. That pairing makes sense to me because without it, you're putting Myers with Rathbone. You're not going to put Myers up with Hughes. You kind of just sit him there on that second pairing with Ekman Larson. You have a veteran defense pairing on your second pairing that, you know, there's going to be problems in their defense zone probably with those two. But man, with a lot of this help coming from the forward group, I think it's going to make things a lot easier for Thatcher Demko in the end. I believe
0: OEL can play the right side. I believe he did that a lot in Arizona, or a good amount. I texted Mike, uh, Mike Gould, good guy, noted good guy, listener of the show, uh, and he didn't respond yet. But he watches Coyotes games. And he knows a lot about the Coyotes.
1: But <laughs> that's a hell of an update there, Quad. Yeah, right side. I, I'm pretty sure he can play the right side. So that's right. that's. We'll what do I'm some reporting. digging before the main show because yeah, we're recording the bonus episode. We just want to get this out. Yeah, and we maybe we should just get this out right now. Yeah, should we, we end will. this thing now. We're I gonna think, do a full episode right yeah, after
0: this. I think we'll close it out there. We'll okay. we'll go to a full episode and uh, yeah, just that'll be out on Saturday
1: morning. We're joined by the first signed player for the Abbotsford Canucks. Chase Waters. What a name. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Go chasing waters.
0: You think he'll check out Bridal Falls? Did you ask him about that?
1: No, but I asked him about uh Castle Fun Park. <laughs> and what do he say? He said he's never heard of it. What? <laughs> and I was like, oh you're just you just wait. So yeah. we'll, you guys will get the full interview. Abbey uh, Cactus Club. I'll tell you what. What though? about Arby's? Did you tell him about Arby's? I didn't tell him about Arby's because that's that's Aldergrove. People tell me it's so that's far true. away, but it's on the drive for me. I okay. didn't tell him about Arby's, but Man, what a great guy. You guys are going to hear it in this interview. Three-year captain for the Saskatoon Blades. Just an absolute leader on and off the ice. The video that the Blades put out of him hearing that his jersey was retired, like hearing the general manager hop into that Zoom call, incredible stuff. So a good little 15-minute conversation. Just kind of sneaking into the episode because we're going to have a lot of news to get into for the main episode. But I think we'll wrap things up right there for our um – Emergency podcast, the first one since Tyler Toffoli was traded, I guess, on the emergency. I feel like it's not. Quad says that it is, but we'll wrap things up there. We're going to go record our main episode and get that out for you guys right off the bat, and I'm stoked for that. So for David Quadjelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you for listening to an emergency episode of the Canucks Conversation.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?